Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's the start of another glorious week in God's own country. Uh, I use those words advisedly. England are waltzing through the group stages of the World Cup in Russia. Over 100,000 Remainers have convinced each other that Brexit isn't going to happen after they marched around my main city uh, yesterday, of course. And Theresa May is setting herself up for another crowning moment in her bid to go down as Britain's worst Prime Minister of all time. That's right, there's yet another vote to test her mettle today. This time it's on Heathrow and the third runway. And it's not so much about getting it through, but everything that's going on around it. Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson is supposedly on a trip to Brussels and points east. Nobody knows exactly where he's going, but he's not coming back to cast his vote. All this despite vowing to lie down in front of bulldozers to stop it happening. Can anyone take this collection of clowns seriously anymore? Katie Perrier is here with me. She's going to be telling me why we should. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we'll find out why Waitrose is selling wine in a can, how you'll soon have to bring your own Tupperware to the supermarket to pick up your shopping, and what on earth is a hate crime? 0344 499 1000. You listen to me, Mike Graham, and Katie Perrier on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, it's Monday morning, the sun is shining, we should be all in a good mood, but I'm afraid I'm not in a good mood, despite the fact that England have got through the group stages into the knockout stages of the World Cup, thanks to Pep Southgate and his band of merry men. Katie Perry was here to calm me down. It's not easy to calm be calm. Down, man. It's not easy to be calm this morning, Katie. There's a lot of nonsense going on. I mean, Boris Johnson, the man who said it would over his dead body practically, would Heathrow's third runaway be built, has disappeared. Nobody knows where he's gone. I mean, I don't really care if he ever comes back, to be honest, because the job he's doing as a foreign secretary is so bad at the moment that, you know, I mean, I don't think we'd miss him, would we? Oh, I don't know. It's a bit harsh. I is think it? it does bring a little bit of colour to our political scene, but no, uh, does I he? think he's in a real pickle uh, this, this week. Yeah. And, uh, Greg Hans, the minister, that, the trade minister that did resign. Who's meant to fact, be his big mate, isn't he? He is a good mate of, of Boris Johnson. That's absolutely. He was offered by the government a foreign trip. Yeah. I mean, it's so transparent. He was offered this foreign trip. Greg said, no, I mm. need to vote uh, on behalf of my constituents. I promised them I would never vote for Heathrow. Therefore, I've got to vote against. And uh, he's come back from his trip this weekend saying, right. I'm glad I'm back for the football yeah. and I'm glad I'm back for this vote because there's no way I'd miss it. Right, these are two there's things no I would not abroad. miss. I mean, you've often said in the past that, you know, sometimes uh, the cabinet uh, will pick a, a rather sort of a judicious foreign trip for a particular minister so he's out of the fi- firing line when something like this happens. But surely Boris Johnson has got mastery of his own brief? Does he not know that he can stay home if he wants to? He doesn't have to go away, does he? Oh, no, no, no. He will, he will absolutely know that he can stay here and yeah. he can vote. He can go to Brussels at five o'clock vote and be back by 10pm, which yeah. is the vote time here that's been allocated by the Speaker of the House. Uh, and he will be choosing not to do that um, if he stays away. And so that's why people are kind of on this chase. Do you remember when Pretty Patel uh, came back yes. from 
Africa, I think she it went was. To, well, she went to Israel first, she didn't she? She went to Israel first, got yeah. in massive trouble. Then right. she went somewhere else mm. and then got called back because the trouble kind of kept on unveiling and kept on kind of And it's one of those awful things, isn't it, when you're on a plane flying back somewhere when you know you're going to be fired when you get off at the other end. Well, in the world's media, no. Yeah. And so there was a tracker on her plane because you can put trackers on planes. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody was, was saying, okay, she's the three hours landed. to landing. Yeah. She's two hours to landing. Right. She's one hour. It became an absolute farce. Right. And I actually texted... It's like the my, OJ chase. Yeah, it was. And yeah. I texted a couple of my friends at the time saying, that's still in politics and still in, in government saying, you've got to stop this. Just put an end to it. Yeah. And of course, by the time she's in the plane and in the air, you can't do anything about no, that. No. It was a terrible, terrible handling. But I mean, of, of Chris Grayling's scenario. come out this morning and say, and I know that sometimes these things are thought about before they're said and they don't sound as bad when you rehearse it behind the scenes as when you say it in front of a camera. But for Chris Grayling to say, I don't know where Boris Johnson is... Sounds pathetic. It sounds like nobody's in charge of the clattering train. Nobody knows what's going on. Well, what you've seen from this week, really, in this weekend, when you've got Boris Johnson saying he doesn't want to bog roll Brexit, yeah, make of that. It's a nice image, very statesmanlike. Yeah, really. Uh, when you've got the defence secretary saying, uh, "I made, I made her," that's Theresa May. Yeah. I'll bring her down. Yeah, what is I want wrong twenty with that billion bloke? for my from the treasury yeah. for my defence team, defence staff. I'll bake her. When you look at all of these I'll things, break her. Chris Groening is probably telling the truth. He doesn't know where Boris is because there is no joined up government right Chris now. Chris Groening doesn't know where the next train. Running. I mean, but let's if you see, it. he's cancelled. He was meant to be going to the Northern Powerhouse for a speech, but he's cancelled because he's got to be here for the yeah. three vote, which means the North are now saying, well, that just shows you didn't care about us yeah, anyway. exactly. Let's talk to John Craig, former colleague of mine, uh, a ubiquitous and uh, major political player over at Sky. John, Great a very man. good morning to you. Good morning, John. Good morning, both of you. How are you doing? Where Are you on the, uh, the Boris Johnson trail or are you elsewhere? No, I'm elsewhere. I'm in London. Ah, well, at least we know where you are. We don't know where he is. How is that possible? Well, I heard what you said just now. I mean, I'm sure Chris Grayling doesn't know where he is. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, one of the Sunday papers suggested he was going to Africa. Right. Um, of course, he's been quite rude about Africans uh, in the past. He has. So I don't know if he's going to be very welcome there. <laughs> th- this is just, I mean, I think it's a disgrace it that he's behaved over this. He made that pledge at the count in the 2015 general election. And as, as John McDonnell, the Labour MP for Hayes and Harlington's pointed out, I was in the room with you, yeah. as they're both West London MPs. And he said he'd lie down in front of the bulldozers. Right. Well, as Sarah Wollaston, a, a Conservative MP, said last night, nobody's seriously expecting him to do that. But he made a pledge. Yeah. Now, we have saw a few years ago, whatever you think of Zach Goldsmith, he's a Heathrow rebel. He resigned and fought a by-election. Well, actually, he lost that by-election and won his seat back. His seat's Richmond Park. Yeah. And then we've seen the very principled stand taken by Greg Hans over the past few, few, few days. And I love the tweet from Greg Hans. Now, Greg Hans has actually, over the last few days, been to a monastery on some sort of religious retreat in Romania, I think it is. Oh, yeah. But yes, he obviously arrived back yesterday because he tweeted this. Great to arrive back in the UK at Luton Airport in time for the match today. That's the England game, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and to vote against Heathrow expansion tomorrow. I wouldn't want to be abroad for either of these commitments. Right. So um, the knives are out for Boris, and quite rightly so, in my view. I, I noticed when uh, Greg Hans resigned a few days ago, uh, Liam Fox, another Brexiteer like Boris, um, uh, p- paid a, a tribute to Greg Hans and talked about his integrity. In other words, Boris, you haven't got any. Right. Um, I mean, those of us, uh, those who uh, regard Boris as a complete charlatan and a stranger to the truth and honesty in politics, uh, will take the view that his behaviour is just typical of the man. Thank goodness Uh, you're not one of them, John. His his majority (laughs) in... uh, Sorry to carry on, but his majority in that West London seat of... uh, 
what is it, Uxbridge and, and South yeah. Ryslip, is only about 5,000. And Greg Hans is actually 8,000 in Chelsea and Fulham. I mean, if I was a voter in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Boris's West London seat, I think I would be disinclined to vote for him next time, given he's broken this pledge. Nigel uh, is up first. He's up in Temple Fortune in North London. Hi, Nigel. Hi, Nigel. Good, mo- good morning, guys. I rang you about Boris a little bit about the Brexit march. Of course, let's not forget that every cabinet minister knows where every other ca- cabinet minister is in case of an emergency. Well, so. you would have thought so. No, yeah, they so don't. They of course they don't. They call they number do. 10. No, they don't. They call number 10 they and they do. say, uh, I need to get hold of that cabinet minister. Can you help? Um, they, they, all know, they all know each other and all their parliamentary private secretaries know, know, know where they are in case of an emergency. So I don't believe Boris is, is, is MIA. It'd be like saying, well, no one knows where... where, where well, to be fair, Nigel, I take your point, but Katie has actually worked inside number 10 and if she tells me they don't know where everybody is at every single second of every single day... Then I would believe, well, believe number her. ten does because they keep tracks on absolutely everyone. But the rest of the departments do not are. know where their colleagues are well, in, in other I'm, departments. I'm, 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 so they have well, to call in and ask Chris us. Chris Gray, to be fair, Chris Gray doesn't even know where he is. <laughs> you know, so I mean, in fact, well, he doesn't know. Does off, not surprise he's me. He's obviously off the rails, isn't he? But the point <laughs> is very good. <laughs> sorry, the point is. I think that the, the people knows where the blonde bombshell of Uxbridge is, Boris Johnson. Yeah. They all know where he is, but 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 but, but they don't want to say, look, he throws a done deal. Move on and do it. Yeah. You know, it's been going on for 30 years. The country's suffering. People suffer. They arrive back at Heathrow. Your flight arrives at 10.25. That you've got to wait 55 minutes to get to a gate. Then you've got to wait. The, the whole, everything is, is delayed. You miss flights. You miss Connecting flights, your your driver's waiting, your minicab driver, your auntie Jean. Where's my Johnny? So it's it's all taken forever. It's ridiculous. And in and in relation to the the the, the pro remain march, what a flop that was. I know. A hundred a hundred thousand people. Well, you know what? There's a million people for stop the war. So it's a hundred hundred thousand people go home. Make up a cup of tea and just buys up a nice bottle of champagne for next March because we're coming out. Well, I was this listening to this show, this show I was referring to earlier in sort of slightly secretive manner, uh, which uh, Katie was on yesterday. Tony Robinson, you know, Baldrick was on it, right, talking about mm. you know his great plan for the future of Britain, you know, and he says things like all these people do, like most people I know believe this. And you go, well, that's because most people you know are exactly <laughs> like you, mate. And all you do is sit around in your own little bubble, you know, having halloumi and causing a halloumi crisis by eating halloumi all the time <laughs> and not actually having any brains about what the rest of the world thinks. And also, isn't Peter Mandelson and Paddy Ashton the author of this march, if I'm not mistaken, or the, or the, or the sort of brains behind the sort of movement? Where, where are they? Well, what are I, they saying about it? Well, I've no idea. I don't think uh, old uh, Mandelson likes to be out, be out in public too often these days. He's, really, He's getting really a lot of money out of some clients. Yeah, how everybody hates work. him so much, you know. Um, and uh, I mean, last time I saw him on TV, he was talking about getting married. That's how much he was touched by some story that he'd seen. But yeah, well, Alistair Campbell's the same. Well, Alistair Campbell, I don't know if he was on the march, but he was, I, mm. I, funny enough, I was at a do with him the other night and he was raving on about how we haven't lost yet. We're going to win. It's like, you have lost. It's over. Move on, please. For God's Alistair sake. Alistair Campbell and his good lady who live up in, 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 in the sunny climes of North, of North yeah, London. Yeah, Oak. Need, yeah, exactly. Need to realise that the foot is up. The one, the hundred, the one hundred share index is up. Yeah, Britain's on a climb. Mm. Move on. Exactly, it's, exactly. It's and also, as I said last week when we were talking about it, you know, Europe's got a lot more to lose from from us leaving the EU than we have. So we should be holding all the all the sort of you know all the all the cards here. You know, so which, which I think uh, what, what I would do, I I, I get Trump here. I think going to be here on the thirteenth. I'll be to go up in the other blonde bombshell. And I think that uh, Mr. Trump should have a great deal with Theresa May. So, you know what? There's no 
uh, trade or tariff agreements we're going to inflict upon Britain. Why don't you be the agent for Europe? Yeah. And then, and then a few quit out of it, and then... We'll <laughs> I've take it from there. just can't do a deal. I know, I know. It's just the point. Absolutely brilliant. Nigel, thank you very much. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Imagine drinking wine out of a can. You'll be able to do it from Waitrose pretty soon. I imagine a lot of people will be very, very happy about that. No, you've got you know, sweet wine. When you go to uh, like some of those Marks and Sparks shops or some yep. other shops in uh, railway stations, you can buy wine by the glass. Yes. Covered in like... Um, foil, like a yoghurt. Yeah, or co- not, not just foil, but like cling film they do it. Yeah, I love those. You, so you don't mind drinking one of those? No, because it's in on the glass. Train. And you're on a train it's with a, a girlfriend. plastic glass. You're with a girlfriend. What's wrong with a can? And you're going, a can is where you squeak. Well, you wouldn't squeak a can of beer. You can't, wine is really much more concentrated than beer for me. Uh, I don't know. So gin and tonic in a can, mm. in a gin and tea in a can. Yes, that's all right. That's well okay. okay. That's completely fine. I think canned wine is a good idea. No. I mean, I'm not going to be drinking it because obviously I don't really go on the train anymore because I've given it up. And I'm sure you'd have an issue I with drive. the quality. I drive, well, I might have. I drive everywhere now, which is why we're talking to Mark Morell, a.k.a. Mr. Pothole, because there's more potholes in this country now than there's ever been. And he, uh, very, very uh, sort of nobly, is making sure that uh, we all know where they are. Uh, Mark, very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Thanks morning. very much indeed for joining us. I mean, this is becoming a full-time job for you, this, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, I... Uh... I don't know why I started it some days, but uh, it seems to take my life over. There seems to be no end to it, though, does there? No, no. And it's, I mean, you know, we've seen um, record numbers of claims, you know, in the first quarter of this year, uh, double the amount, uh, sorry, over the amount of the previous 12 months. We've seen double the amount of breakdowns as a result of pothole damage from sort of the RAC's figures. We've seen... Obviously, uh, over the last sort of 10 years, nearly 400 cyclists have either been killed or maimed as a result of potholes and poor road surfaces. Um, and, you know, it's getting worse. And, uh, you know, when we see we're ranked so low, about 27th in the world compared to places like Chile, you may yeah. wonder where we're the sixth largest economy in the world is what, what's happening to well, our exactly. money and taxes. Well, that is the problem, isn't it? Because the money they can find for, you know, the NHS, let's chuck another £25 billion a year at it, which will make no difference whatsoever. But in fact, if they could find £9 billion to fix the roads, that would do something. Because, I mean, I bizarrely, I've, I've, I've got a sort of good news story for you. I've driven on parts of, of Sussex roads recently, which have just been resurfaced, and they're so much better to drive on. I don't, I don't understand why not more of them are being done. Yeah, I mean, you're quite right. I mean, I, I would attack HS2 because that's going to end up costing uh, us over £100 billion pounds right. um, to get you know a fast rail trek between London and Birmingham, yet our roads are in such a poor state that any saving on time, you're gonna, you've lost and you've damaged your car. Right. I mean, uh, you know, we ev- everybody uses our road network. It uh, is estimated that it costs the UK economy over £5 billion pounds right. through badly maintained roads. And I would argue we can't afford not to invest in our roads and it needs government to uh, step up to the plate. They will come back, the Department of Chancellor, saying over this Parliament we're giving £6 billion to local roads. Well, you know, the penny needs to drop that the roads are deteriorating at a faster rate yeah. than they're investing. Well, they've already collected £40 billion, have they not, in road tax every year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you include... All of the taxes that motorists pay between uh, road fund licence, uh, fuel duty, VAT yeah. on fuel duty, if you include uh, servicing parts, all the VAT elements, you're talking over £50 billion. Pounds. Yeah, I know, it's incredible. And they don't spend a tenth of that. What about, how would you feel about, or how easy would it be, for example, to lobby 
uh, for kind of a, um, a tax on visitors, you know, not just the commercial lorry drivers, but also people who come here in their cars from France and Holland and Belgium and all of that? Um, well, I think it's our, you know, we go and use other people's roads. Uh, I like there's some toll roads in France, for yeah. example, but we don't pay tolls on their local roads. I think we should get our act together. Um, and m- many countries that have got better roads than ours actually uh, ring fence some of their funding to make sure it goes directly to roads rather than uh, our governments obviously stayed away from doing that in the past. Well, roads are a cash cow, aren't they, for governments in terms of road tax, in terms of the petrol duty that, that we get through, and m- most of the petrol that you pay for is, is at high levels of tax. So actually, well, road... 50 billion quid, we were saying, yeah, exactly. is pretty much what comes so, from so, that. So, you know, all of those things are a cash cow for the government rather than ring fences, as you say. Now, are you therefore a favour of you know building more roads or repairing the roads in a kind of a direct tax type type of way? For, for road maintenance, I think that, uh, you know, there's arguments about saying, uh, t- uh, you know, sort of two pence per litre provides another billion pounds a year, which would at least start uh, making inroads, because obviously we've seen with the recent bad weather, uh, you know, that we get uh, each winter, you know, it's not a surprise we get bad weather in winter, we've seen uh, probably a billion pounds of uh, deterioration of our road network. That's why I wouldn't be in favour of even more money going on on a tax on petrol, though, because, I mean, we're already being told it's going to go up to about 150 a litre of wheel sometime this mm. summer. Yeah, I mean, it's such a volatile price. I mean, we all try and shop around for the cheapest price, but when you see uh, how much they go, you know, suddenly you go to the pump and it's three or four pence a litre more, and we might whinge and moan, but uh, at the end of the day, um, we, you know, I think Fair Fuel are arguing quite rightly about how much tax we do pay compared to the, the uh, rest of Europe and the world. But uh, I just think that uh, if government can show willing and really recognise, you know, we've got a, a budget coming up in November, actually realise the major problem. I think the penny did drop the other week because uh, the local elections, it was one of the top things talked about. Um, and there's been a number of questions by MPs in the House of Commons. And you know, it's not just though the fact that we want more repairs. It's the quality of those repairs and the time they take. Because what's the point in you know shutting off a whole road when, for for a couple of days when it could be done within a couple of hours because the staff aren't available? How many times do you drive past something that's all shut off and there is nobody working on that whatsoever? It infuriates people. It's the quality as well as the speed and the money, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, poor quality repairs. Uh, at the moment, they're just doing patch and mend. I mean, I, in, in lots of cases where they do, I, I refer to them as infield rather than repairs mm. because they do an infield to make safe. Yeah, and you might have to do that because, you know, you've got a plan which plan your works. But then they don't come back and actually do the work. Um, I, it's not what, what about this money, one? Though. What about this one, Mark, uh, in uh, Balderstone, which is apparently the worst road for potholes, according to a study, Mellabrook Bypass, 545 times in a single year has this road been reported uh, in Lancashire. I mean, that's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's like 10 times a week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, and I know the seven, uh, the Seven Hills Road, one in El- uh, in uh, Surrey, because yeah. I had uh, there's a group down there on Facebook that contacted me, mm. and uh, there's some good news that there's a uh, resurfacing work uh, planned to be carried out there and patching. So that, that you know, but I mean, yes, it's absurd. Um, but it's not just about money because Highways England have been given billions of pounds by government. 
Um, yet they are struggling. I mean, I've never seen our, uh, the reports of uh, defects on our motorway network as bad, mm. places like the M20. Yeah. Um, on the M40 on Junction 10, I reported a pothole on the 25th of April. It was infilled a few days later, which is supposed to do in 24 hours, yeah. but never mind. Um, and they're supposed to do a permanent repair within 28 days. Uh, that that repair's never permanent repair's never been done. It's failing already. They've put uh, uneven road surface signs on the roundabout. So, uh, I mean, uh, it, it, there's no excuse then with finances. There is a problem with trained labour, though. But how successful... Yeah, quite absolutely there's a problem. There's a problem with skilled labour, not just in this, but in house building and lots of other things that we're discovering. But how successful can you be if you decide you're going to take your local council to court... Uh, or the highways agency to call over the issue of potholes because your car has been so damaged? It's very difficult. You, I mean, uh, you, you have to use freedom of information request and you look for the two-year history of the road showing have they done their inspections to, their, uh, to the required standard, have they had previous reports, should they have known that they're likely to have defects because they're very good at turning around and saying we didn't know the defects there. Well, if you've got a history of a number of defects, so if you use that uh, Melbrook bypass, if someone had an, uh, an incident there on a pothole, they could hardly turn around and say they didn't know that that road right. was failing and you've got a good chance of proving that case. I mean, in a couple of cases, I actually served legal notices under the Highways Act for a road being out of repair. But that's what it's that bad. And when you look at those ones, the Section 56 notice under the Highways Act, um, you do a formal complaint first, and then if you issue a notice. But some people um, can't do this themselves. They don't know where to start. I mean, do you take on people's cases for them? Do you charge them? How does it work? No, I don't charge, charge anybody, and I, and I try to um, work with people as much as I can, but it, it's only me. Um, I wish I could uh, take everybody's one. What well, you need is a Mrs. Pothole seconds. along with you, Mr. Pothole. Yeah. And little pothole children. <laughs> yeah, I think I need a, a crew of potholes. crew of you know, potholders, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did have some success last week. It's taken two two years to get some elderly residents road resurfaced in Lincolnshire, right. which was sort of, you know, it's been an ongoing issue, which is great to see the pictures before and after, because I got it featured in I one mean, of the national say, I mean, it's, it's well such a you. It's such a pleasant surprise, as I say. I mean, I, there was a, a stretch of the A27 has just been resurfaced near uh, Pevensey Bay. It was yep. so beautiful to drive on. I just couldn't believe it was actually what a road was supposed to feel like. You know? Yeah, I've been I've been down there campaigning for the A27. There yeah. you go, top man. So how do you actually? I mean, how do you make a living, Mark? Because this must take up all of your time. Uh, I don't. I'm retired. Oh, okay. um, and um, yes, it does take all my time. Apart from being a sort of local councillor, I'm the uh, uh, mayor of where I live in Brackley at the moment as well. So oh, it's okay. really stretching me. Yeah, but uh, um, well, keep up the good work as long yeah. as you can. Well, social media is really, really useful, particularly Twitter, because you can tag in the councils, you right. can tag in an MP, you can tag in councillors, mm. and that's how I've got thousands repaired, just by getting tagged in and making comments and asking questions. The quickest yeah. one was within two hours. That's brilliant. That is good. I mean, there are some good things about Twitter, I have to say. Well, Mark, listen, keep up the good words. I say thanks very much for talking to us. Uh, Mark, we're all there. You'll find him as uh, uh, Mr. Pothole, also known him. as, uh, on Twitter. And uh, if you've got a problem, by all means, report it to him, and he'll do his best to try and get it sorted out for you. Let's talk to Nick, who's in Croydon. Hello, Nick. Oh, hello, Mike. Hello, hello Mike. I mean, I'm, 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 surely, I'm surely not alone here in thinking that this is madness. Not exactly, Mike. I'm not sure you're right. Because years, years back, and I'm old enough to uh, recall the days, uh, uh, house, house, housewives, and they were mainly housewives shopping then, used to take shopping bags out and to, to the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, and they used to get their stuff wrapped, wrapped in paper and put in bags and take, and take home. The recycling of plastic wasn't needed. Plastic wasn't, wasn't, wasn't invented then, of course. 
Yeah, well, we used to live in caves. We used to live in caves, Nick. It was lots more simple then as well. But you know, then we don't live like that anymore. There's no, there is no, there is no butcher. No, hang on. Well, there is no butcher and baker and candlestick maker anymore. You have to go to Morrison's. But they, but they, but they've got got uh, got the store for a butcher and the baker. Not sure, sure about the candlestick maker. The idea of a kind of village store within supermarkets ah. is 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 growing and growing. Those have them. Sainsbury's have them. Morrison's have them. So, listen, so, I don't mind. So, listen, yeah, Nick, I don't, I don't mind stuff. what I don't mind what they wrap the stuff in. To be honest, but what I don't want to do is bring the stuff from home for them to wrap it in, to, to put it away in. You know what you're describing Why is not is not, not it, no what no hang on Nick what you're describing is somebody taking a shopping one of those shopping baskets on wheels and having a load of stuff wrapped up by the butcher and the baker and all that and put inside the bag. Yeah. That's like bringing your yeah. own bag. We we do that already. But what I don't want to do is bring a bag full of Tupperware. Well, okay, fine. I don't like plastic. Agreed on that. But surely there is a different medium. We can use, you know, paper for meat or fish or, or, yeah, but, or whatever. Yeah, but paper is Definitely. still... But, but, Nick, paper is no more environmentally friendly because you have to cut down a load of trees. I mean, our man from the Recycling right. Association seems to think uh, that you can recycle paper. You still have to cut the tree down to get it in the first place. Well, that's true, but then but then you uh, you, you plant more trees, replacement trees, to, so that you end up carbon zero neutral on the... Tell that to the Amazonian up, tribes who've got nowhere to live and go, don't worry, mate, uh, oh, we'll just true. plant some more trees for you. Well, true enough. It's a fair point. point Thank that, you. Mike, but the, the principle works. No, it doesn't work, clearly. If the principle worked, you'd be right and I'd be wrong. But unfortunately, you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> 03444991000 TMU says taking your own spade for digging up spuds and a fishing rod for fish isn't as mad as it sounds. At least that way you'll get your items faster than when they're being delivered by a cardo. He said maybe they're going green by not delivering anything. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> they're certainly not delivering anything to me anymore because I've cancelled all orders with the cardo forthwith. Uh, Steve says actually the only trees that get cut down to make paper are those grown specifically for the purpose of making paper and paper products, i.e., fast growing conifers. Yeah, well, there's still trees that get cut down. It's still they're still the lungs of the world. Aren't we they? weren't being specific, were no, we? In terms I mean, of what tree? And I mean, they're cutting down trees in the Amazon like you wouldn't believe. So what are they doing with all that stuff? Path. There you go, turning it into uh, wood chips, probably. Uh, Julia says all this talk of butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers. I'm off to a food shop, but I'm going to need a plastic bag to put all the tubs in, which is true. Yeah, I see. You can't it avoid it, work. really, can you? It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It also, is hard. haven't you told me that you're concerned that Tupperware as a plastic? also in some way uh, gets involved in the meat process or the cooking process or the, the food process. So you're actually eating plastic. Yeah, so I get really funny about things like I don't use microwaves very often. I don't like that. And I, I don't like um, storing loads of stuff in plastic all the time because uh, there is evidence to say that, uh, you know, ready meals, you're getting plastic in your body by the fact that you're just all you're eating is ready meals all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, you're microwaving these to extreme temperatures. It cannot be good for you. It simply cannot be good for you. So, um, uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm not a massive fan of that kind of stuff, to be honest. I'm sorry to be slightly distracted here, but uh, Ricardo just tweeted me. 
Isn't that great that they're listening? Um, uh, Carlos says, we're sorry for running late with the delivery. If this is the case, please do DM us with your registered email and postcode so that we can have a look into this for you. Well, like, three weeks late. Yeah, I mean, they do not know. I've been involved with their customer services people, their press office, everybody, to try and sort out the problem, and they weren't able to sort it for me. So I'm afraid, guys, I'm no longer shopping with you. There it's you that go. Simple. There you go. It's Other game supermarkets over. supermarkets are available. They are. I'll go down to Morrison's with some Tupperware. Well, you know, it's not just it's not just supermarkets you need to think about. Don't forget, there's a loomy crisis. So there is a loomy crisis. What do you wrap that in then? I have no idea. I don't buy the stuff anyway. You don't like halloumi? No, it's horrendous. Do you like feta? No. You don't like feta uh, cheese? I prefer it. I will, I will, you I can't will... melt it on the barbecue. I think that's the problem. The reason halloumi is so popular with uh, vegetarians is that apparently you can eat it like it's a kind of like a burger. Yeah, almost. exactly. It's because kind it's, of sub- good they substitute. Call, they say it's got a very high. Uh, burning temperature. Yeah, so it doesn't just slop everywhere so really like, quickly. Because like if you put a bit of cheddar on the old barbecue, yeah. you know, it's pretty much liquid. Game over, yeah. Game over, yeah. But halloumi stays kind of in some kind of form yeah. to be able to put it in a burger or something yeah. like that. It just tastes revolting. Yeah, I, I, it's nothing it's to it. It's kind of rubbery, isn't it? It's nothing to it whatsoever. No. What about Birmingham? Have you ever been to Bir- In fact, Birmingham, by the way, is where the Tory party conference is this year. You don't have to it? tell me that. I'm yeah, all well, over it. Well, hang on. You may be all over it, but it's just been named as the worst area for food hygiene in the United Kingdom. I'm starting, to I'm starting to worry Can now. Can they not go somewhere else? No, you, you, you contracted in for years. It's either Birmingham, Manchester or Liverpool. Right. We used to do it years ago. What happened ago? to Brighton and Bournemouth oh, and the seaside resorts? Blackpool. Do you know, I went to an NUS conference when I was a student in Blackpool. It was one of the greatest weekends I've ever had. It's the best. It's bonkers. It was the best. I, I wrote a blog when I was in Blackpool about how scummy it all become and I uh, got hate mail, <laughs> which is really, really good. Uh, but, I mean, we we'll like a bit of that. I stayed in a hotel where there was kind of stains on the ceilings. There was curtains fell down. Um, the deed fallen off of the name. I won't say which the name is because it still exists and no doubt they'll sue me. But it was grotty. Yeah. It was really grotty. And I came back and I went to the doctor and said, I've got this terrible rash on my leg. And he said, you've got fleas. Have you stayed in a... Have you got any pets? No. Fleas? Have sta- yeah, have you stayed in a hotel oh. recently? Yes, I have. And he said, what was it like? And I said, uh, two star, I should imagine. It was, I was sitting right. there by work and I was working for the Conservative Party at the time right. and they'd spent about £5.50 on your hotel room. That was about it. But um, yeah, I miss the, the Bournemouths and the Blackpools and the Brightons because they are the best in terms of uh, you know. Also, there's venues. something nice about the seaside. Oh, I remember it really the mirror. Is. I remember the mirror having a, a part. Well, the mirror always have a party at the Labour Party conference, but it was in Brighton one year. Must have been around about I don't know 2000 something uh-huh. like that. And I was in Cardiff, and I, this is when I learned that you can't get from Cardiff to Brighton. In Very any easily. sort of normal no. way, because all the roads go from southwest to northeast. They don't. There's no road that goes from northwest to yeah. cuts across, right? So I had to basically go all the way into the M25 and back down oh, no. to Brighton, and it was absolutely tipping it down. I, and I, still was, I, I had a room in one of the seafront hotels, so I went and parked the car, got in the room, put on a, a, a decent suit, went to, to join the guys at this party, and by the time I'd walked across the road, and it was in that, you know, underneath the kind of by, down by the beach, they yep. those kind of nightclubs. Yep. By the time I got to the front door of the nightclub, I looked as if I'd swum there <laughs> in the sea. I was so wet. Literally, the water was dripping off me. Everything I had was soaked to, you know, I was soaked to the skin. I, I, I once... saw Piers Morgan. He's like, where have you been? I said, have you not seen the weather? I once met, um, had uh, lunch with Margaret Thatcher and uh, she, I, I got caught in a really, really, really bad rainstorm right. uh, but two minutes beforehand. And I walked in and I'd had my hair done and I'd, I'd chosen a oh, really nice expensive dress. And I'd rock up, and you know, this is a one, 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 one off occasion in yeah. life, right? And I rock up, and she, she shakes my hand, and I said, It's a pleasure to meet you. And she replies, Oh, what's happened to you, dear? You look like you've been dragged through a cat flat backwards. <laughs> 
<laughs> I presume this was after she'd lo- not, no longer Prime Minister, right? Yeah, afterwards. Mm. Was this in her house in Eaton Square? No, she was invited to someone else's house. Oh, there right. was five of us. And uh, we had a lovely, lovely lunch. And uh, um, uh, very, very amusing because she asked me if she wanted a pet and what kind of pet should she get. And right. I said, a really big dog. And then security guys at the back of the room were giving me evils. Like, because thinking they're the ones that got to walk it, love. <laughs> Don't even think about it. Oh, so, God. yes, but I, I can imagine just when you want to get somewhere, yeah. when you made an effort and a it chucks it word. down. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.